0: You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashofSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is freelance writer Tom Chick. Uh, hello. Can I get you a coffee, Troy Goodfellow? Yes, you can. It will go well with my Sam Adams Boston lager. And should I refer to you as a freelance writer, Rob, or what are you?
1: Uh Yeah, let's go with freelance writer.
0: Okay. Let's pretend Rob Zachney is a freelance writer. Rob, how are you?
1: Oh, not bad. Enjoying a nice, tasty ice water. Ice water. Yeah, there's no coffee in that pot. I thought there was, but uh, Stainless Steel Craft wins again.
2: <laughs> uh, why would we not refer to Rob as a freelance writer? He's got a blog going. I know. Uh, he's got a blog. He's, he's fairly prolific in terms of
0: writing about games, and uh, why would we not call him that? I don't know. Okay. So he's written some stuff for The Escapists, and you used to write for UGO, right?
1: Yeah, it did a bit of work for them.
0: So yeah, okay, you're a freelancer. Just wasn't quite well, sure if you're you comfortable a, with that with that title.
2: Do Do you have a day job, Rob? Like a thing you have to do uh, during the days?
1: I work very hard at avoiding those. Um, I've discovered after much experimentation that I'm terrible at working like regular day jobs. Um, so I try to earn my keep in other ways.
2: Okay, I just didn't know if there was another job title that that might be more appropriate.
1: Uh, I'm partnered to an academic, so. Woohoo! That, yeah, it saves my
0: ass. Did, did they? Did they give you a uh, business cards for that?
1: You know, strangely, they don't.
0: <laughs> uh, the life of the academic spouse—it's a good one. All the fun parts about hanging around a university, and none of the faculty wars. Mm, nice.
1: Tell, tell me, Troy. Does, does your wife ever resent you when she's constantly, you know, constantly? Yeah, yeah, when she's working really hard to do like professory stuff or you know professional stuff, and you're not doing that.
0: Well, we'll talk about all the marital resentments of the Goodfellow family some other time. Uh, they are sure they're epic and legion. But today, let's focus on happier things. We hope we're going to talk about, we had our Looking Back at 2009 episode a couple of weeks ago. Now I want to look forward to 2010 in strategy games. Uh, a lot of really big RTSs coming out this year. Uh, some major sequels, games we've been waiting for for a while uh some smaller titles that I'm personally looking forward to uh but really this is going to be the year that the RTS makes its you know I would say maybe its last stand for broader cultural relevance we have StarCraft 2, Command and Conquer 4 and Supreme Commander 2 three very different uh, RTSs classic RTSs in very many ways and the question I guess is can they uh Find the market that will justify the costs that are going into them. Where's uh Where's Age of Empires four? <laughs> yeah,
2: well, where is Age of Empires four? Whoa whoa, 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 did you leave off? What, what about uh, What about Rise of the Legends two? Did you mention that one? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm being the the pessimist here. <laughs> yes you're not the, the hopeful the rtss that i that i like the least are getting big expensive huge budget sequels <laughs> the, ones the ones that i love are uh, are taking a dirt nap <laughs> yeah. no. so
0: you're not looking forward to starcraft 2
2: or command and conquer 4 no, know,
0: no i'm i'm being
2: uh, i'm being a little facetious uh, i'm very much i oddly enough i look forward to every rts until an rts actually gets in my hands and is terrible I have generally n- nothing but but hope for them. Uh because here's the thing when an RTS is not good or whenever I have problems with it generally uh in sequels that's a great opportunity for them to fix it. Uh, I'm curious to see what Blizzard has ins- I mean Blizzard has been away from the RTS scene for a while now. What are they, they going to bring to us? Uh and even though on paper a lot of it looks fairly bog standard uh you know Blizzard doesn't necessarily make for good feature lists. Right? They're, what what they do is uh, involves magic pixie dust, I think. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing. What, however, StarCraft II turns out, and of course, gas powered games uh, gets a lot of goodwill from me after Demigod. So what those guys did, you know what? Go back to your giant robot game with your crazy economy, and I know they're evening some of that out. I'm I'm eager to see what what they're gonna do. So. And, and of course, the uh, EA LA guys with Command and Conquer 4. It's the same thing. Uh,
0: right.
2: Even though I wasn't, a, I really did not care for Red Alert 3. And Troy, I think you're with me there. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do next and how they're going to try to tie in tie an RTS into a more MMO esque business model.
0: Well, let's start with Command and Conquer 4 because I think it is really one of the more interesting uh, problems uh, games that's coming up. First, there is a whole uh, MMO-type stuff they're doing with uh, persistence and gaining experience, uh, f- and even con- you can develop a hero class or something. Did I understand that correctly? That you I up, would you,
2: not be able to tell you. I, that, do, not, I do not know.
0: That you, you play as a class. You choose a class of leader, a support or an assault or a defense or something. Um, and this is what you are leveling up as you move along. This is my understanding of it, and I could be entirely wrong on that. Uh, and I want to know, are we going to be getting the stupid fun that was Command & Conquer 3 or the stupid that was Red Alert 3? Rob, you, what's your history with the Command & Conquer series? Do you have one?
1: I do, but I mean, I guess it, with a lot of these games we're talking about – um I'm sort of in the same boat that uh, Tom is. These, these are not my absolute favorite franchises. Um, Command and Conquer, I enjoyed them when they were when they were new. I, I enjoyed um, the original Command and Conquer. I enjoyed Red Alert very much, um, but I kind of feel like they were they were like guests that you had a really nice party with, and as everyone's leaving, they're saying, you know, oh that was fun. We should do it again. And you say, yeah, we we should do that again. And then they say, well, I'll see you tomorrow night then. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Command & Conquer. I feel like I got a lot more of that game, that series, that I really ever wanted. Um, (laughs) and at some point I just sort of checked out, um, around the second game in each series. Played them both, didn't care for them very much. So that's, that's about when I left and I missed, uh, the third game.
2: So when Command & Conquer 4 comes knocking at your door, you're going to pretend you're not home? (laughs) <laughs> running with your metaphor there, <laughs>
1: um, I, I may do that. I may do that. Um, I may not answer. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to read reviews. But some of what I, some of what I hear has me, has me curious. Um, Suspicious, be too strong a word, but uh, curious. Uh, some of the decisions I find curious. That's that's the word I'll use.
0: Such as what makes you curious in the community. The, per- the
1: persistence really surprises me. Um, i'm not I don't remember reading that you you pick like a class uh, but I do remember that you that you gain experience and there's sort of a um sort of a modern warfare style skill progression right yeah yeah um and that that persists through the multiplayer so i'm not I'm not sure how that, I'm not sure how you really balance the game for that how how that's going to work um it's it's a neat idea but I think you know, Dawn of War two, that they, they put it in. They they did something like that in the single player campaign. They just made that a complete. They spun that off as a completely different sort of experience from the multiplayer game. Here, it sounds like they're trying to square that circle. I'm not sure how you do that.
2: And you know, you, Rob, you're you're being kind, I think, by saying curious rather than suspicious. But I'll I'll take up the uh, banner of being suspicious for for, for two reasons. Uh, here are Tom Chick's two reasons that he thinks C&C 4 is going to be a big, messy boondoggle that's a terrible RTS, and I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, but here are my two, uh, my two causes of suspicion. Uh, the first is that for me, and I think for a lot of people who really enjoy real-time strategy games, the appeal is you are given a set of tools. You are given a faction, and there are many options for how to play this faction. And in any given match, the choices you make are are open before you. You start with just one builder and maybe one gatherer and a a field of resources. And part of what makes the genre appealing is the choices you make as you spin out this, this starting position into an army. And you have various tactical choices. And I just think that gameplay model is doesn't work well with this idea of doling out uh, one particular hero or faction or slowly folding in units. I have a similar problem, for instance, with Blizzard's approach to uh, spreading out StarCraft II over three different releases, each for one faction. Uh, the, the appeal of a real-time strategy game is getting all of the toys in one box and then making decisions about which ones you want to pick out of the box and play with. So the fact that they are... Throwing over that model in favor of something more commercially viable makes me very suspicious. Uh, My my other cause for suspicion is that it is EA. Hmm. EA has not missed an opportunity to do some really clumsy money grab. Uh, And I think of everything from the way they handled some of the downloadable content for Dragon Age to uh, I'm playing Army of Two right now. And the Horde mode, which is a a popular mode where you play co-op against a bunch of AI guys who are attacking you, that you don't get unless you pay extra money. Um, the way that in their Need for Speed games, uh, you can either earn the unlocks for your car or you can spend real money buying them and circumventing the gameplay. EA has just been notoriously clumsy trying to monetize post-release content for their games. And uh, I, I just... That does not bode well for whatever they have in mind for CNC4. So those are my two causes for extreme suspicion for CNC4. Well,
0: another issue of concern is that they cut the uh, CNC4 team uh, in the huge round of layoffs. Uh, the CNC4 team was heavily uh, hit by them. Most since most of the game was done, uh, they took off a lot of the asset people and let them go because they weren't needed anymore. So I wonder what that means for post-release support. Or, um, DLC or patches or what have you, uh, in the long run. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you, do you have similar concerns about, uh, what Gas Powered Games is doing with Subcom? There, I've uh, written a little blurb for Christy Gamer for a Hope and Dread series they're writing. And one of the themes of my little blurb is, you know, this is, not your grandmother's uh, total annihilation. This is an attempt to, in many ways, address the theme that you noted uh, last year, Tom, in strategy gaming, this whole idea of streamlining, of uh, making the game, you know, if still, you know, foreboding and still forbidding and still broad and huge and loud, but also in a more accessible and simpler and in many ways more traditional.
2: It's going to be a tough row for them to hoe. I mean, there
0: are their're fan
2: base the people who really like the total annihilation supreme commander uh, lineage uh there there's a real danger that they're gonna alienate those people i think um, in an attempts to widen the audience
1: why uh, why would that be
2: uh a lot of the appeal of Total annihilation and supreme commander is a really tricky and unique approach to economy um, there's this <laughs> there's this uh this is, and this is unique for Total Annihilation and Supreme Commander, this idea of deficit spending that's uh, not intuitive. It makes it easy to put yourself into an economic death spiral. Uh, it takes a whole different kind of economic management than just simple peon shuffling.
1: Well, wait, is it, is it still what they did in Total Annihilation, where you don't have so much finite amounts that are coming in, but like you need to more watch the streams that are coming in?
2: It was Supreme Commander. I don't know if Supreme Commander 2, if that's part of their streamlining or not. Troy, do you yeah, know my I'm understanding pretty is, ill-equipped to talk
0: t- to my talk understanding about. from what I've read about Supreme Commander is that it will be moving to a much more traditional uh, economic model where you spend what you have um, and they won't let you spend resources or money you don't have. Um, so the deficit spending where you could, you know, bet against uh, an economy developing heavy in energy or heavy in matter uh, based on how quickly you can get your little bunch of Macaulets out there building stuff that that's not going to be as much of an, of an issue. They, they realize that or hope that moving to a more traditional spend them if you've got them model uh, will meet, make for a more accessible gameplay uh, more comprehensible gameplay um, and to what end I'm not sure because like you said the people who play this game who are fans of it are you know these are, well, they're 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 crazy, in a good way. Uh, I could never really warm up to the series, but it takes a special kind of crazy to really love uh, Total Annihilation, and Supreme Commander. I mean, these are very special and unique, and I'm happy these games are out there for somebody.
1: Um, Hang on, I because I never I never played Supreme Commander when it came out. I just did not have a computer that could uh, handle it. Um, but I but I did play a lot of Total Total Annihilation back in the day, and. Um, what, you know, one of the things I really—it was one of those games that I sort of really—I really admired um, just how bonkers it was, um, you know, just how everything was just gigantic. And I—I I I, I still don't think I've seen as many units and as many moving parts um, to a battle as I've seen in that game. Um, was was Supreme Commander pretty much just an update of Total Annihilation, or did they make some real refinements in the intervening years?
2: It was a refined update. I mean, it was it yeah. was very much a spiritual era of total annihilation and the things that people liked about it, such as the unique economy, the number of units, uh, the... And I don't remember, there was a really powerful... In Supreme Commander, a really powerful uh, set of systems based on air combat versus naval combat versus land combat. And there were furthermore systems about... Uh, this cat and mouse this distinction between... Visual contact, radar contact, mm-hmm. a couple of different kinds of stealth, um, and I seem to recall a lot of those were, were updated and refined from Total Annihilation. Yep. It, it was a very good game, sure, especially for Total Annihilation fans. Uh, and I just think that they realized that hey, we, we can't make a game just for Total Annihilation fans anymore. Yep. Uh, we want to. We want to appeal to some of the StarCraft players and some of these people who are maybe digging DemiGod because it's easy to get into. We want to make a game for them. Uh, so If you actually – did you guys hear that? Did you, if, you, if you listen real closely, you can hear Total Annihilation fans with torches and pitchforks marching right now on gas-powered games. They're, they're wending their way there as we speak. Uh, so that, that'll be – I, I uh, so I think that will be uh, – I predict that will be one of the features of 2010, uh, a bunch of very angry Total Annihilation fans uh, decrying Supreme Commander 2 as, as a betrayal. That's, my, that's one of my predictions.
0: But you well, can't really blame uh, gas-powered games for doing this. this just makes, if making an RTS makes any financial sense at all, which is questionable, um, then – you have to, I guess, h- hope that your fan base will buy it anyway out of loyalty and expand the market.
2: They're also – and I forgot about this, Troy. They're still doing a simultaneous Xbox 360 release, right? They are. Or a, maybe – is it just straight-up consoles? Is it the PS3 too?
0: I think it's uh, just the 360. Okay. I'd have to double-check that. Um, uh, so that's another – thats another, uh, well, this is a cause for concern. you
2: know, is Well, it- it's
1: got to be very streamlined, revolutionized even.
2: No. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they're quite, yeah, I, I don't know if that's quite the approach they're taking. I think they're just trying to adapt a PC RTS to a console interface, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, but we'll, we'll find out soon enough. No. And that comes out quite soon. Is that March? Early March. Okay. And I guess the uh, 360s two weeks after that. And what's the release date for CNC4? Is that established? The release date for CNC4, that is, uh, March 16.
2: Oh, whoa! They're gonna. Well, there's another peril for uh, Supreme Commander too. Yeah. That's a terrible time to release Supreme Commander 2. What are they thinking?
0: I don't know. But CNC 4 comes out two <laughs> weeks after two weeks after uh, Subcom. Yeah. Okay. So that's not. Uh, I mean, it's probably is better than releasing it after Command and Conquer 4. I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So Marsh will be an embarrassment of riches. And uh, Troy, when does StarCraft two come out? StarCraft two, I think, is they haven't set an official date, uh, but I think it's sometime in the late spring. Oh, is that is it really that narrowed down? Okay. I think. I mean, that. I mean, look, they could push it to twenty eleven, um, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Um, they've shown a, certainly shown a lot of video, and there's been a lot of news leaking out about it, but. I would not be surprised if StarCraft II fell to, you know, quarter three, quarter four, or even, uh, 2011. But I hope not. Because Blizzard is, you know, Blizzard makes good games. I I don't think there are very few companies that really are, have the same seal of quality, uh, that the Blizzard name has become in the industry. They haven't done a strategy game in a long time.
1: So, so, okay, how, how excited are people for StarCraft II? Um. And why?
0: Well, I guess the why is what I just said. That you know, this is this is Blizzard returning to its roots in many ways. Uh, Blizzard, you know, it was an RTS company. Um, they haven't made one since what Warcraft three, right?
1: Three, right. And did you, did you? I mean, how much did you like Warcraft three?
0: I liked it. It was good. Yeah, I've never my, been really big my
1: reaction. Up. You know, in that exact tone of voice, though, right? Like, yeah. Like, Warcraft 3, it didn't really do much for me, though. Um, so, I mean, for me, like, this is this is Blizzard, you know, trying to prove I still got it, uh, you know, after StarCraft. And I guess I'm just...
0: You're not hopeful?
1: Well, I mean, I'm always hopeful. Um, but I guess... For one thing, it, it does look like a game that is very much trying to be StarCraft 2, uh, the, you know, the game you know and love. Um, and I do worry a little bit that it might be uh, going in the direction of pretending that the intervening 10 years haven't really happened, hmm. um, but it's going to be pitching itself to the people who love StarCraft and who just want that experience again. And you know, that might be a good move because there's a lot of those gamers um, you know, I know a lot of them who really haven't played an RTS in StarCraft, um, but I'm not one of them. Um, you know, I, I've tried to go back and, you know, I really can't. And the Sea game looks that similar coming, um, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little disappointed. Hmm. <laughs>
2: So Rob where, where is, uh, you so to sort of counter what you said Rob kind of like I did with uh, with um, CNC4 here's two reasons Tom Chick is hopeful <laughs> about Starcraft 2 uh, I hear what you're saying and I, I agree a lot but there, there are two things specifically about Starcraft 2 that 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 make me pretty excited about when whenever it finally comes out. Uh, one of them is how good Blizzard is with their mythology and their backstory and in terms of creating universes and worlds. And even if you didn't like Warcraft 3, uh, it was just incredibly rich with the three factions and how different units were different from each other and the gameplay mechanics. And uh, I, I just think Blizzard is so good at breathing life into stuff rather than just saying, here's a tank, here's an orc, here's an elf. Uh, so whatever they're going to do, with this cool mythology that's already floating around out there with the Zerg and the Space Marines and the Protoss. Um, Whatever they're going to do with that, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, The second thing, though, that makes me super hopeful about StarCraft II, one of the the things that I think guys like us fail to appreciate about Warcraft III, because we play it and we maybe enjoy it or didn't, and then we kind of shrug our shoulders and move on to another RTS. Warcraft III was single-handedly responsible for an amazing amount of work from uh, a community of mod makers. Um, if you think, before Warcraft 3, we didn't have that whole Defense of the Ancient-style gameplay that eventually gave us Demigod. And I know that Blizzard, is they're, they're very aware of that. And they want StarCraft 2 to be very much a platform for that same kind of creativity. Uh, and there have been a few demos of what you can do with StarCraft 2 as, as a platform for mods and whatnot. Uh, so I'm very excited once it gets out into the community with the millions of people that are going to play it to see what sort of creativity
0: bubbles out from the fans that we can benefit from. And if any game, if any company is going to be going to revive uh, the RTS, it's going to be Blizzard.
2: Yep, and of course, you know it'll be nice to have a. Like Halo Wars, it'll be nice to have a very commercially successful RTS that'll mm-hmm. uh, maybe reassure other developers. Hey, you know what? There, there's uh, there's a big pie here. Come in and get
0: a slice. And then once again, because Halo Wars was it had a, you know, this established mythology, but it was selling to the Halo audience, not the strategy gaming audience. It wasn't selling to people like you and me, was it? I don't think. I, don't I mean, I mean I, yeah. I mean, not. That. That. I think I mean sales or sales to uh, the bottom line. But well, it certainly didn't do anything
2: uh, like say, End War or Brutal Legend to, to really prove that RTSs worked well on consoles. I mean, it was still very much the traditional PC model. It was adapted reasonably well to, a, to mm-hmm. a console controller. So I don't think it convinced anyone who didn't already... I don't think it convinced people that RTSs were... that the consoles were a viable place to make RTSs. Right. They didn't win any converts there, I, I, don't, I don't think. But it sold well, and so guys like uh, you know, Gas Powered Games and Supreme Commander two, they're like, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna keep uh, trying to push RTSs onto console systems.
0: So, any other? Those are the three big RTS games. And of course, there's a world bigger than the RTSs. Are there any other titles that you guys are specifically interested in Bruce. beyond the uh, Bruce? Ruse. Oh, Ruse. Oh, I forgot Ruse. How could we forget Ruse? Ruse comes out in a few weeks. Does it? That's it. Yeah, it's so February second.
1: Yeah, um, that's that's one that I am really curious about, um, much more so than these these other games. These these games might be bigger names, um, but I just I have really have no idea what to expect from this game, um, and that means that you know in the corner of my heart there's this part of me that's getting like you know really excited and really hopeful um, because at least the sense I'm getting, is that it really does sort of twist the mechanics a bit. Um, whereas the, these, other, these other three seem very traditional in their way, that you could, all, you could say that they're all different archetypes for standard RTSs. I think Ruse might be a little different. Um, so what
0: kind of, What in particular has you excited as far as mechanics go with Roos? Roos is an Ubisoft game. Um, for those of you, we haven't talked a lot about it, I suspect we will once it comes out. So what about it? Uh, it's, it's a Yugen Systems, French developer, and Ubisoft. So what about its mechanics? has you curious.
1: Um, well, for one thing, it's got that slick iPod touch table that you play on, and... Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I, what's, what's got me interested is that the way it's being pitched, at least, is that deception is such a crucial part of this. Um, that ultimately, it's it's got all these traditional RTS elements, but so much of your perceptions of the battlefield and your perceptions of the battlefield are going to be shaped by these, um, like, ruse cards that you play that are going to give them some sort of misinformation or distort their view of what's going on in some way. And so you can't always trust what you're seeing. Um, and so it becomes this guessing game. That's sort of going on behind the scenes of this uh, RTAs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting they have these uh, board game mechanics, I and mean, they, they are calling them cards. Uh, in many ways, it even looks a bit uh, like a isometric view of a miniature uh, World War Two war game. Little stacks
1: uh, running around there on the on the terrain.
0: Yeah, and it it has a nice look to it. Uh, what I saw at E three didn't especially impress me, um, but maybe it just wasn't being explained very well to me. It's was Ubisoft has a very very loud room. It's really hard to figure out much of anything, uh, but yeah, there this whole idea of um, of. Well, information's power, and war games are really all about you know knowing where the enemy is and, and hitting him. Um, this is a way. The assumption is should the ruses work, uh, that you will be able to you know make the best of a weak situation through deception. Uh, but then there's the whole problem. You know, if you can't believe, if you can't believe anything, uh, then you always know you're being deceived, right? I guess the question is, when are you being deceived?
1: Both players should know what what cards are available. It's not a mystery what these deception cards are, but what players have access to them. Um, what you're going to be trying to figure out as a play is, is one active right now. And if it is, which one is being used against you? Uh, because if you don't realize that you're being deceived or you don't correctly guess how you're being deceived, uh, you could make some disastrous decisions based on information that's been manipulated um, and that just seems like, that seems like a really neat idea. I'm um, not sure if they can carry it off, but it's
2: exciting that somebody's trying something like that. And also, uh, Jim Rossi and all at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and Alec Muir at Eurogamers one over by Yeah,
0: and they're generally very reliable uh, yeah. observers of the scene. Uh, Jim has been was talking to me about the beta when he was in it trying to persuade me to get in and I almost did though I avoid playing betas for many reasons but uh, that's some positive buzz since I was not too impressed by what I saw at E3 uh, maybe I was wrong and this is actually going to return to something really special and good and it's coming out in a couple in a few weeks so let's uh, we keep our eyes out for that um, and the less well traveled uh areas of gaming, we have uh, from the war gaming world, we have a new Grigsby game coming out, a War in the East, and, but the one I'm most excited about is Gettysburg Scourge of War, which is being done uh, by Norb Timko, who used to work for Mad Minute Games. Tom and Rob, you're both familiar with the Take Command series, I assume? I think Rob is a huge fan of those. Is that true, Rob?
1: Um, <laughs> yes, I am. I think I'm actually uh, be doing a piece on it for the Decade series. Um, but yeah, Take Command, Second Manassas, I just, I really adore it. Um, you know, I don't know, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm a bit of a geek for the Civil War. Um, I've watched Gainsbourg maybe too many times. Um, but one of the things that the game really brings home is just how tenuous a commander's control really is over battle. You're not just sitting back there telling know regiments to move here, go there. Um, the game sort of fights with you a little bit. Um, and oftentimes you are a sub-commander in much larger conflict. And so the battle begins to evolve around you, and um, there are moments you'll get so caught up in what you're doing that you won't realize that everything's going to hell in a handbasket around you, and you'll look up, and suddenly your entire core is gone. Okay, and you're, st- your gone. you're
0: sounding like Stephen Hawking, Rob.
2: Really? Tom, he sounds more like a like cow when, when he's being disconnected. Of I think we
0: got a we got a really bad line tonight. I think because <laughs> you don't sound all that hot yourself, Tom. I do too. Shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Can you give me a moment to check something? Because I, I I think yeah. there might be something interfering with us.
2: Okay. Sure, Troy. Can you do a little musical number for us? Because you're a fan of musicals. Can Can you sing a little something for Have us? A all, little Sondheim
1: up? while I uh, figure this yeah. out.
2: A little
0: bit of Sondheim. Play us through, Troy. Now you ask me to sing, and I have no lyrics in my head. Uh, give us a little something from Stephen Sondheim's fan of the Opera*. Oh, don't you start,
2: <laughs> Stephen Sondheim's How *Phantom*. I'm all a lover of musicals. Yes, my God. God. <laughs> Didn't you love uh that movie *Chicago*? They should make a play out of that. They should love do that live sometime.
0: Yeah, they really should. <laughs> Rob, are you there? Bobby, 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 baby, Bobby, booby, Robbie. Uh, the of, what's the name of the guy who who did the Take Command games? Nord Timco? Norb Timco. That's an awesome name. I think that's that's an that's an anagram for something. No, I don't think that's his real name. That can't be his real name. It is apparently. I I met him at um, first GDC I went to actually. Oh. Uh, By the way, are you going to leave this in the podcast, or is it going to get cut out? I haven't decided yet. Leave it in. This
2: is this is real behind. The, this is a, ladies and gentlemen, this is a behind the scenes look at how Flash of Steel's Three Moves Ahead uh, is put together. You're, you're getting a rare glimpse
0: behind the scenes That's right now. Piece by piece, putting it together. Sunday Gallant's in the Park with George. House. What? Sunday in the Park with George. Sunday in the Park with George. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I don't even know musicals that well. Thank yeah. you, star. By gallant crew. You do.
1: Good morning.
0: Don't
2: know that one. Uh, that's the Pinafore,
1: I believe.
0: Yes, right? could be. All right. So we were talking about uh, take command, Rob. You were saying you were looking for interference, and you didn't find any, right?
1: Yeah, it's it should. I should sound better than I do. I think
0: you sound better now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, uh, Norb says he's shooting for uh, the first quarter of this year. Which I think is outstanding uh, if you can get it done. Now that's what he said in December, which wasn't that long ago? Uh, but he's uh, doing he's going to be multiplayer in this as well, so that's something to certainly look forward to. Uh, these are they're great games; uh, they were wonderful. Good, take Taking Man games some of my favorite games, uh, favorite war games ever. Uh, sort of a Rome Total War approach to the American Civil War, with as you know, as Rob said, there's this sense of entropy where things are fighting against you and the morale system and if you're at it I I've always held that the game plays best at, you know, commanding just a few squads, uh, or yeah. I mean maybe a division, but never it doesn't really hold together, I think, as a game at the army level. But we'll, we'll I see I disagree. Oh yeah?
1: Well I, I think just one one of the things that's really the really interesting about the game is that but yeah, it's, it's fascinating at that small level, uh, but what really interests me is as, as you move high, further up the chain of command, um, your control to the back gets more nebulous. You become mm-hmm. a, you have to become, by design, a less interesting and bold commander because it's just so difficult to keep everything together. Mm. And so you need really foolproof plans, um, and even then it's going to be very hard to make all the pieces come together and you have to wrestle with that system. So I, I actually enjoyed the way that the experience became really difficult um, at higher levels.
0: But I'm so happy that uh, one of these games is coming out. I was—I knew it was going on, just didn't it was so close to being finished, and a couple of readers actually independently uh, emailed me about it, and I want to thank them both uh, for reminding me that this was being done out there and to take a look at it, um, because now it is near the top of my list of things I'm hopeful for and looking forward to in 2010. A good, solid, hardcore, fun, action-y war game sort of thing that, you know, makes my heart pump a little bit faster. So anything else, guys? Are we pretty much done with, you know, strategy games in 2010? Is it going to be that bad a year? Well,
2: what about about turn-based games? What's the matter with Jokers? There are turn-based games? Uh, Let's see. So in a uh, about a month or so. There's that thing that I mentioned before for the PS3 360, and I didn't realize when you covered it on the podcast for the PC, uh, a game called Greed Corp. Greed Corporation? Is it just Greed? I can't even remember the name. It's some, Greed something. It might be Greed Corp, okay. uh, but it's a hex-based, turn-based game uh, where you eat the hexes on the map as your resource, and you're basically eating the map as you as you fight over it. Uh, and that's from a, a small Dutch developer. Um EA just announced uh, they're doing uh, risk uh, yes. reworking the factions and whatnot and it's by the folks who did the uh, Xbox 360 recent iteration of magic the Gathering, you know, right. called doodles of the plane walkers and it was this it was a, a Julian very, was a, tightly a, made.
0: but Julian sorry, was big, Julian was a big fan of that just saying.
2: right it was a very tightly made self-contained collectible card game in one package you didn't have to buy a bunch of cards, uh, so those same folks are now doing this risk which uh, has distinct factions. I mean, it seems like they're, they're not really just doing a port, so much as doing a strategy game inspired by risk, Right. Uh, and, and then, of course, the big thing, uh, I know it will at least be in beta. I don't know when they're gonna actually launched, but Sid Meier's Experiment with Civilization on Facebook.
0: Isn't that uh, next year? It's supposed to be this year. We have his yeah. great, his grand Facebook experiment, and I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Have you? Uh, he's got a page on there's a Facebook page you can join,
2: yep. uh, where I think he said that it's going to be entering beta soon. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's this Civ experiment trying to meld with social gaming and Facebook and whatnot, and uh, yeah, so that, that I'm. You know, who knows what that could be like, but I'm certainly curious.
0: Have you played many Facebook games yet, Tom? Oh, I love me some of that uh, Island Paradise. Why
2: will not you, you be my neighbor on that, Troy? And Rob, get on Facebook and be my neighbor on Island Paradise.
1: I make a policy to avoid Facebook.
2: Ugh, well, how am I going to get someone to donate llamas to my island? Llamas? Yeah. What, what are llamas doing on an island? Uh, I don't know. You you raise them, and then I guess, I don't know if you eat them, or you shave their <laughs> fur off. It does sound like
1: a great game. It's, virtual alpaca, it's your virtual alpaca farming. <laughs> Nonetheless.
2: Also, if you guys join, and if you guys are my neighbors, you can help me find a lost dog, and I get XP for that.
1: How about I just play animal crossing instead?
2: Ooh. Ouch. That That's painful. Bob. <laughs> Uh, Island Paradise is just this. I've I've been playing it out of. It's almost out of morbid fascination. <laughs> you just click on. There's no real gameplay there, but yeah, I I click on stuff and I can't believe people are actually playing. it. But sure enough, millions of them are.
0: Well, yeah, this, is, this so. is the thing. This is the thing with Facebook games. I mean, I've I played a few of them for quite a while and. You know, they get a little bit, you know, to be almost a duty or an obligation. You just stay up with them and you keep doing them because it's a way to pass a few seconds while you wait for something to download. Uh but there's so little gameplay, uh so little real design. So I'm interested to see what Foraxis brings to that. Uh when I spoke to Brian Reynolds uh a few or well, mid-last year about social gaming, his big thing was, yeah, well, Zynga has hired me so I can bring game design ideas to the table here, and so far we haven't seen anything. Um, and the whole plan was that they could do Facebook games so quickly, and so far, nothing. Um, but hopefully that'll be something in
2: 2010, like yeah. along with Civ... What, what is it even called? Not CivNet, because that's
0: taken. What is, what is it? CivNet- Civilization Network. Network. Yes, yeah, Sid okay. Meier Civilization Network. Like the Discovery so, Channel. Well,
2: hopefully that, and uh, there will be other attempts to actually introduce gameplay into social gaming. That might—I don't know if that'll be strategy games, but yep. uh, hopefully that'll be that we see in 2010 as well.
0: Well, uh, Meyer did have a brief chat with Julian on the Gamers with Jobs podcast, which I linked to earlier uh, this week, or I guess late last week, and he's said a little bit about his ideas for Facebook games and what he finds attractive about them, and I will once again link to his brief chat with Julian uh, at the bottom of this podcast. Oh, we also have the new Paradox game coming out, right? Victoria. Victoria, and also from uh, Ajod, who did Birth of America, they're also doing a Victorian-themed game, the worst-named game of the year, Vainglory of Nations. Huh. Wish I was making that up. We might be able to get worse than that. The year's still young. Yeah, probably.
1: So what's what's the vainglory of nations?
0: What is the vainglory of nations? I yeah, ruling have, have a great power in the Victorian era—that is the vainglory of nations. It's a, uh, I think it's a turn-based game too. So it's uh kind of rare to see one of those. It's it's a lot like Victoria. Um, and this is something that Ajad Philippe Philip kind of gotten away from. He was uh, the designer. He did the original Europa-Universal board game and was a consultant on the first EU game, Then he started his own company and did a couple of very terrible EU-ish games uh, based on ancient and dark ages history, and then he moved his company to these great light war games like Birth of America, and the American Civil War, and the idea of him returning to a grand strategy game is both uh, interesting and sort of scary, given how poorly uh, his other attempts have turned out. But i That's weird. Those, those
1: companies just merged, right?
0: Mm-hmm. What companies?
1: Um, Aegeid came under the Paradox umbrella, right? Hang on, oh. I'm, I'm looking this up. Because Gamma Sutra news, Paradox acquires Aegeid oh. in PC Strategy Power Up.
0: I did not know. When did they do that?
1: Uh, This was in mid-December.
0: Oh, Um, okay. I was kind of occupied in mid-December.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) well, we can link to this uh, piece that sort of summarizes the deal. Uh, But no, the reason that strikes me as a little weird um, is that, I mean, if these games are essentially reproducing each other, you'd think they'd, they'd shuffle the schedule around a little bit so that you didn't have two Victorian strategy games coming out at once.
0: Yeah, it's they're quite different looking games as well, and these are you, you can tell which comp, which uh, company has the money. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I, I think it's supposed to come out this year. Um, like most developers, been kind of uh, iffy on you know exactly which quarter. But my assumption is, Vainglory of Nations will be coming out probably quarter three, quarter four, and we have Victoria, I think, in quarter two. I think, but that's just a guess.
1: No, you're pretty down on Victoria too, or at least pretty skeptical.
0: I wasn't I a mean, bit. I liked Victoria uh, for a bit, um, and, but it was never really a game I really enjoyed playing. It had some some really good design elements in it, but also some stuff that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and it was very easy to game the system. And it's you know. I've spoken to johan anderson about it it's kind of his least favorite game as well of the series he recognized that you know some things they did just didn't work very well it was kind of incomprehensible in places um so i'm kind of surprised they went to that and to redo it but they think the new engine will make it work well i've been following the developers diaries with great interest and i think they're making some really smart decisions as far as streamlining uh the economic gameplay um so hopefully it'll turn out well i'm not going to say i'm down on it, but it's not exactly a game I'm clamoring for. You are more optimistic.
1: Oh, I, I don't know if I'd say more optimistic. It's just, it's one of those things where if if they carry it off, I would be I will be really excited to play that game. Um, because I, I think one thing that nominate nominate strategy games do very well is is make peace and economic and social change very interesting. Right. Um, and Paradox is really good at that with the EU series, but even that is still, I think, more conflict-oriented. Um, so I'm much more curious to see a game that, you know, just by virtue of the era is covering. it's covering, is going to be, have to concern itself a lot more with some really serious political, ideological, and economic changes that happen in this era. Right. Um, I mean, it's just, I, would, I would be fascinated to play a game based on that concept. I could also see how a game based on that could be painfully awkward and boring.
0: Alright, so there's a hopefully it'll turn out. Um, so those are the games we're most interested in looking forward to uh, this year. And, uh, there are probably a few others that will come to our minds. Uh, Probably as soon as we stop recording. Uh, but please fill the comment box, uh, on Flash of Steel with strategy games you're looking forward to. Things we've forgotten. Or, uh, take us to task for some of our erroneous conclusions, projections et cetera. Uh, next week, we have a, an expanded show. We'll be talking about the gender gap in strategy gaming. We'll have an expanded panel. Is there a strategy gaming gender gap, I guess, is what we're going to be talking about. I uh, hope you tune in for that. It's a show that we're, I've been looking forward to doing for some time. Say goodnight, guys. Goodbye, well, Good night. No one's going to rap for me?
2: I think we had our musical segment with the uh, Stephen Sondheim. time. <sighs>